0: Something funny. And this year, you know, I looked back and realized I've told a lot of jokes over the years about resurrection and Easter. And so this year I just decided to go with something different. And it's, it's a story about this guy who went into a restaurant. It was a dimly lit restaurant and he noticed a blonde sitting next to him at the table. So he leans over to the lady and he says, um, Ma'am, would you like to hear a blonde joke? Well, she kind of frowns and looks at him and says, Well, just so you know, the other lady at our table is blonde and she's the kickboxing champion of the world. There's another blonde here at our table, and she's a world-renowned wrestler. And I'm a blonde, and I have my black belt in karate. Are you sure you want to tell that blonde joke? He kind of smiles and goes, you're right. I I shouldn't tell it, especially if I'm going to have to explain it three times. Um, (laughs) now, Now, before you judge, before you judge, Um, I had a family that was at the second service last night, and they were all blonde. And they come out of the service, and they were laughing, like, Pastor, we loved your joke. We're not offended by your joke. In fact, we thought it was great, especially when our daughter, who's a blonde, leaned over and said, I don't get it. (laughs) So, amen. Well, anyway, happy Easter to all the blondes here. Happy Easter to all the brunettes that are here. We're glad you are with us. Will you stand to your feet today? We're going to... First of all, can you welcome, we have church family joining us in Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Idaho, Texas, Washington, Nevada, Oregon. Come on, put your hands together and welcome your church family. Is it not amazing? Our sermon is titled Forgiven, and I want to have us read together the passage that's found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. And this passage gives us some insight into Easter. And I want you to read it with me. All all of you joining us online, you can stand and read as we honor the reading of God's Word together. Here we go, ready? God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way... He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Will you just close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. We thank you for your presence. We ask that you would anoint everything that I'm going to be sharing today. Everything that comes out of my mouth, I pray for your anointing to touch it. But I also pray that your anointing would rest upon our hearts and our minds to receive what you want to say. Lord, when we leave this place, let us know that we truly are forgiven. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. <clears throat> First of all, if you're a guest today, maybe you've never been to church, we're excited you're here. If um, maybe you haven't been in a while, we're glad that you've come. And those that are part of our church family on a regular basis, you know, a lot of times people don't realize what really the story of Easter is all about. And so I want to give you the cliff note version of Easter real quick. Basically, um, over 2,000 years ago, the world was filled with people who sin, who do things wrong, and that sin separates us from God. But God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, into the earth, born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And he eventually, at 33 years of age, he went to a cross, he was nailed to the cross, And uh, his blood was shed to forgive us of our sins. He died on that cross. But three days later, he was raised to life by the power of God. And uh, by being raised to life, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now people can put their faith in Christ. Their sins can be forgiven. And now, can I tell you, over 2 billion people around the world have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How many say amen to that? So we celebrate Easter that Jesus is alive. There's hope. And so today what I want to do is I want to give you three things that are important for us to understand. Now they're going to seem simple at first, but as we dive into them, I think we're going to learn some insights. And the, the principle is this is that because Jesus is alive, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we need to know, because He's alive, we are forgiven. Everybody say that with me? We are forgiven. Let's read it in our passage. This, this, uh, these three verses have some really interesting things that we're going to learn today. First of all, it says that God made you alive with Christ. You see, the Bible teaches us that spiritually, we're dead in our sin. But because Jesus is alive, we've been made alive. When you receive Christ, your spirit man is alive with him so that you can go to heaven and experience eternity with him forever, Jesus is alive, now we can be alive. That's good news, amen? Amen. And it says, why? Because you forgave, but I wanna focus on the next word. What's the next word, forgave what? All All of our sin. Now, when we think about our sin and forgiveness, um, we we often think about the past. I do, anyway, when I think of sin, I think about the sins of the past. How many here would be honest and say that in your past, you sowed some wild oats? Come on, some honesty in the house today, all right. How many of you would say there's some things that you look to your past you would like to forget? Some of you are like, thank you. You're making me remember. This is not helping me, Pastor Jared. But not only do we sin in the past, we sin in the present. How many, don't even you raise your hand, but how many of you might have done that on the way to church? Come on, you get in the car and it's stressful and you're trying to get here. We got to get a seat or we're going to be out in the overflow and things can pop out of your mouth. And you're like, oh man, good thing I'm going to church. Amen. So we sin in the past, we sin in the present. But sometimes we forget the other truth that's here in this passage, and I want to point it out. But I want to do it by explaining it. You see, in the Old Testament, before Christ came and died on the cross, the Bible says that there was a day called the Day of Atonement. Or we could explain it this way, the day of at one with God. Because people are separated, distance, there's no harmony with God, and so the Day of Atonement or one Mint was that we become in harmony with God, and here's how they would take a lamb, a perfect lamb, sacrifice the lamb, and the blood would be shed. The animal would eventually then be roasted and eaten as a meal. But the blood was shed to pay the penalties of the sin of the people so they could be forgiven for one year. So it would be kind of like this. We'd come together. There would be the the sacrifice of the lamb. And then for 2018, all our sins are forgiven. But how many know 2019 is coming? And with that probably are some other sins because sometimes we end up sinning again. You see, the next year, they had to have another day of atonement. Why? Because the people needed to have their sins forgiven again. Because the reality is, is even though we're forgiven, sometimes we still make mistakes. Kind of like what Paul said in the the book of Romans. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. Anybody ever feel like that's you? Or the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Anybody say, yeah, that's me. In fact, we're all that way. Think about it. When you, were, when, when you were a child, your parents said some things to you that you probably thought, well, when I'm a parent, I'm never going to say that. Come on, how many were there? And then you became a parent, right? And you had kids and things got crazy. And the next thing you know, you're doing what you said you would never do. You're saying, I'll tell you a few of them. How about this one? How many have ever said, I'm never going to say this because I said so. That's why. How many have ever, when you're little, you're like, I'm never going to say that. That makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Or how about this one? You, you probably could answer. You probably could finish this one for me. You better stop crying or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Is that demented or what? Here's another one, if you drive in your car, don't make me pull this car over. Come on, any dads or moms ever? Because they're out of reach. My favorite one is this, and I think you'll know it. You probably can finish it for me. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Come on, again. So sad, so sad. The point I'm making is that often we sin, we sin in the past and we sin in the present, but we don't realize that it's probable we might sin in the future. And I love this verse that I'm gonna to read to you because it's similar to the one we read in Colossians because it says in 1 John 1, 7, it says, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What I love is the word cleanse, I did some study this week, and the word cleanse is a present tense verb in the Greek, which basically means this, you read it this way, the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us and keeps on cleansing us and continues to cleanse and cleanse and cleanse and cleanse us from all sin. Because the reality is we don't just need forgiveness from the sins of the past. But God says that I love you so much. My blood is so powerful. It can forgive you of the sins that you haven't even committed yet. That's when you can say you're really forgiven. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price once and for all, for all sin. Let me just maybe help you understand it with this analogy in Easter. You see, when the the blood of the animal was sacrificed, it covered the sins of the people. But how many know when something dies, the blood... Stops flowing. So Jesus was raised to life so that the heart keeps pumping and there is an unending flow of the divine, covering, powerful blood of Jesus Christ to forgive us from all sin. We are forgiven. Happy Easter. You know, I was growing up. I grew up in a, a church where sometimes there was a tendency to focus on a legalistic, um, conservative approach to theology a little bit. And I grew up afraid. Afraid that, that you know, that I was going to sin and then the rapture was going to come. <laughs> come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so every week, I ran to the altar and I would get saved every week. Come on, how many do teenagers need to go to the altar every week? <laughs> and I had this fear that... I was going to be driving in traffic and someone would, you know, tra- LA traffic, someone's going to cut me off and I was going to say something that I know I'm not supposed to say and then get hit by a car and die and God's going to say, too late. <laughs> but you see, I didn't understand Easter because Easter says that the sin you haven't even committed yet that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses and keep on cleanses, cleansing and continues to cleanse and cleanses and cleanses all sin. We are forgiven. Amen. It's good news because there's a lot of people living in fear. There is therefore now no condemnation because we are forgiven. It's good news. Here's the second thing. Because Jesus is alive, our debt is paid. Because Jesus is alive, our debt is paid. I want to read to you in Colossians, the next part of the verse, in verse 14, where it says, then he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now, when you read that, most Christians will read that and just keep going and they don't understand the the symbology that's there because if you lived in the time of Jesus, there would be something you would understand that you probably don't understand. So I'm going to help you do that. I'm going to give you a little context. You see, in the days of Jesus, they were conquered by a Roman government. And the Roman government and the custom of that government at that time was that if you were charged with a crime and you were found guilty of that crime and then were given a penalty of that crime, you were taken, say you had five years in prison, you were taken to prison and you were placed in the prison. And once you were placed in the prison, they would take a hammer and a nail and they would nail on the doorpost of the prison cell what's called a certificate of debt. And on that certificate of debt, it would have your name. Your name would be on there, and then on there would be all of the things that you had done, the crimes that you had committed, and they'd be written on the certificate of debt. And then at the bottom, it would would say what the penalty was. You had five years you had to go in prison, 10 years in prison in order for that debt to be paid. And so every time that you went out of your cell or came back in, any time a guard walked by, any time the warden came down the row, they would see what you had done because of the certificate of debt. But what would happen is, if you paid your debt to society, you paid your penalty. They would let you go free, and when they would let you go free, they would remove the nail. Oh, you didn't know how strong I was, did you? There's a hole there. Just. A... <laughs> and then they would take the document, and they would grab a stamp, and they would stamp it, and the stamp would read paid in full. And then when you left the prison, they would say, hey, when you go, take this with you because this is the proof. If someone tries to accuse you, you're the criminal, you committed the crime. All you have to do is pull out your proof and on your proof with a certificate of debt, it says the debt has been paid in full and no one can ever charge you again. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says that when he paid the debt, the charges against us. Can I stop and say that every one of us have charges against us? The debt of sin. And isn't it interesting that the Bible says that the debt that was charged against you, it was defeated and paid when it was nailed to the tree nailed to the wood. And, and you see, you realize that Jesus, he, he took your penalty because Jesus was nailed to the tree. And the Bible says that he took our sin. Our name is there. Anthony's name is there for the sins he's committed. Tanner, his name's there twice. But, um... <laughs> some of us, we got our name on there a bunch of times. The Bible says that he took our sin upon him. But now here's the part that you don't realize. I I didn't realize until I'd studied this out. the, The imagery that God gives us in that passage, it says, but it was erased when he was nailed to the cross because here's what happened on the cross right before he died. The Bible says that Jesus, with his last breath, said these words. You know them. It is... Did you know that the Greek phrase it is finished is the exact same phrase that was used to be stamped on the debt the debt is paid in full And when you invite Jesus Christ, who is alive, sitting next to the Father, praying for you and interceding for you, when you invite him, the Bible says he knocks at the door of your heart, and the doorpost of your heart, and when you let him in, and the enemy comes, and who is the enemy? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that makes, wants to make you feel bad, make you feel guilty, make you walk in shame. Do you realize that on Easter, we celebrate the fact that when the devil jumps and tries to make us feel bad, we can stand and say, no, wait a minute, devil, I have proof, and the proof is that- That is finished. And if the debt has been paid in full, I am forgiven. Somebody say amen. Because he's alive, we're forgiven. Because he's alive, the debt has been paid. Happy Easter. And then thirdly, I want to give you the, the third thing that I found extremely interesting The Bible says that because he's alive, we have victory. I want to read to you this part of the story, and it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 in this way, what is it referring to? Nailed to the, the tree. The debt is canceled, forgiveness has come. And this is what he did. They said he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He ashamed them publicly by his what's the next word victory. victory over them on the cross it's interesting because we know that the word disarm in the greek it literally means to take away to peel away to pull away to tear off And the Bible tells us that when Jesus died, he didn't just die for three days and stay there and hang out until he rose again. No, the Bible said that he had a job to do. And what did he do? He went into the bowels of hell and he went to Satan and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from him. In fact, what I love is the picture of Jesus in Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it tells us of what is to come. And one day when we stand before the throne, we see the picture of the lamb, Jesus. And he's standing there and here's what he says. He says, I am the one who died Romans 1, or Revelation 1a, I am the one who died, and I am alive, and I hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave. See, Jesus came not only for you to be forgiven, but to set you free and give you victory. Because a lot of us need more than forgiveness. We need freedom. Reminds me of a story about two men. There's a young man, he had a friend, and they grew up together. They did everything together, hung out, families hung out. One day, the young man started making bad decisions and went, went away, where he ended up living a life of crime. The other young man went a different path. He went to school, became a lawyer, and eventually, he was appointed. As a judge, and so he would wear the the robe of the judge. As he wore the robe of the judge, he would sit in the seat of the judge, in the place of justice. He would listen to cases, and as he listened to cases, he would use his gavel, <laughs> which he got from Walmart. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. You're innocent. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Cases would come before him and he would use the gavel and guilty, innocent, guilty one day after years of being the judge. In comes a man in handcuffs, and it's the friend that he grew up with. The friend, when he sees that it, it's his friend who's the judge, in his heart he thinks, Oh, this is great. Maybe he's going to give me mercy instead of justice. So he hears the case, and when the case is finally done, the man gives his last appeal and says, I, I asked for, ju- for mercy, not justice. Court goes silent as the judge begins to deliberate. Finally, he hits the gavel and he says, Guilty is charged. And here is the penalty you will pay. Man, his heart sunk. And then suddenly the, the entire courtroom was amazed because the, the judge then stood up, grabbed the gavel, and said, I this court is in recess as everybody watched in amazement, the judge took off his robe and he stepped down from the seat of justice and he made his way over to his friend. And the bailiff who was standing next to him, he said, "Uh, bailiff, I need your attention. He said, hold on. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out his checkbook and he began to write the check for the amount of the payment for the debt that the man had stolen and he tore it off and he handed it to the, the bailiff and he said I'm going to pay his debt and he paid his debt that day and as he did he reached over and he grabbed the keys he said give me those now and he took the keys he disarmed the bailiff and went over to his friend and he said come here and he began to use the key to set him free you see, as a judge, I have, to be, I have to act in justice, but as a friend, I can give you mercy. So and God looked at humanity, and He looked at you, and He looked at me, and He saw the charges against us, and because He's a, a, a true God and a just God. He couldn't get off his throne and give us something that was unjust. So he said the wages of sin is death. But even though he he banged the gavel and he said the wages of sin is death and he was just, he also was merciful because he took off his robe of divinity and he stepped off the throne and he entered into the the level of humanity and he put on the cloth of, of humanity and he came over to his friend. A friend that sticks closer than a brother yes. and he says although you deserve justice I'm going to pay the debt and give you mercy yes. and not only am I going to give you mercy but as the scripture says Jesus declared the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to set the captive free so I have some keys in my hand And not only can you be forgiven, but I can unlock you from the things that have held you bound. I can unlock you from that addiction. I can unlock you from that bitterness. I can unlock you from that unforgiveness that you've been holding in your heart. I can unlock you from the things that have kept you bound. Because I'm here to give you mercy and I'm here to give you freedom why the song says Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed them white as snow I want you to close your eyes today